Hi everyone, Alan here. Just a quick short prologue before we get into this episode. Things are changing at such a rapid pace at DC Studios that it seems announcements regarding Superman are being made almost every other day now. This episode was recorded the night before James Gunn made a number of bombshell announcements regarding Superman, including the fact that Henry Cavill will not be returning as the Man of Steel and that DC Studios will be announcing a new slate of movies in the new year which will include a new Superman film written by James Gunn focusing on the Man of Tomorrow's early career. As such, please forgive us as some of our points are now already outdated, despite the fact that this episode was recorded only one week ago. With regards to the announcements made by James Gunn, Rob and I remain cautiously optimistic. Although Henry Cavill never quite lived up to his potential as Superman for various reasons, it is still bittersweet to see him leave the part behind, as he was an excellent ambassador for the character and a person we both like very much. As he said himself though, onwards and upwards. Now, over to Mr. J.M. DeMatteis. This is J.M. DeMatteis wishing everyone listening a very Merry Christmas and anything else you may be celebrating, and a very, very Happy New Year. Here's to a new year filled with hope and kindness compassion and health for everyone we talk we talk we talk superman and we know what's happening we talk we talk we talk superman and we cover everything Hello Superfans, welcome back to All-Star Superfans' second annual holiday special. And of course, you all know by now that All-Star Superfan is the podcast that explores the full 80-year legacy of the Man of Steel. I'm Alan Burke and I am joined once again for this Yuletide adventure by a man who needs no introduction. It's our very own Krampus, Mr. Rob O'Connor. Bah humbug. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know. I didn't know whether to go with Krampus or Grinch, but I actually saw the, the Krampus movie there recently enough. I've, I've really been getting into the Christmas films. Some, some years I'm not huge into sitting down and watching them, but it's actually pretty pretty fun. Is, is is Krampus one of the ones where it's like dark and violent and for adults, or is it yeah, a kids yeah. movie? It's, oh, kind right, of, okay. it's kind of like a horror comedy, kind of a dark horror comedy type thing. But it, it was actually I thought it was going to be complete crap, but it was it was actually pretty good. Um, the guy from you know the brother from uh, the, the 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 brother from Step Brothers, not not the two Step Brothers, not the funny guys, not Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, but he's, his actual brother. He's in Parks and Rec, I think, as well. He's in it. It's, it's good. Oh yeah, God, I, I probably do. It's a couple of years since I've seen Step Brothers, and I know it's a classic. I need to go back and watch that. I probably know him instantly. Yeah, is is it is it Adam Adam Scott or one of those guys? I, I, even if he said his name, I wouldn't know okay. it. But he's—I I really do like him. He's in—he's um, in a TV series at the moment. I think it's called—I could be wrong here. It's on Apple Severance, I think. Okay, no, it doesn't ring any um, bells. Yeah, but he's—I—I've I, always liked him. I've always liked him. Um, yeah, I watched Elf for the uh, first time. Well, I, I've seen it before, but for the first time with my daughter today, and she absolutely loved it. Amazing! So, uh, I love Elf. Yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's great to see things. These things again through a child's eyes. You know. It's Did you fantastic. see it in the cinema? No, God no. But yeah, no. apparently it's re-released there at the moment. Yeah, that that'd be fun. But yeah, watching it at home just as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's great with these streamers. Like, I, obviously, one of my favorites. I'll have to ask you what yours is. Saying one of my favorites is uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I, I love that film. And I don't know if it's actually good, but I love it. Maybe it's nostalgia. I don't know, but I, I really, I always love that film. I've never seen it. <laughs> You've never seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I've never seen any of the vacation movies. Oh my God. <laughs> 
That hurts. Have you seen like any Chevy Chase? Have you seen like Fletch or any of those no. movies? No. <laughs> oh, Rob, what are you doing? I've, you're you're missing out this I entire know. genre of films that you would absolutely love. I've seen oh clips God. of the vacation movies here and there growing clips. up, but I haven't. The, I have. Yeah. The first one. The first one is excellent. Yeah. Second one is okay. It's kind of standard eighty sequel where they just do the same thing again. Third one, obviously, Christmas Vacation is flawless. And then they kind of uh, uh, kind of petered out with the, the seven years later, five years later, they did a Vegas Vacation, which even I haven't seen, to be fair. And then they did a couple of, I think, straight-to-video sequels with Randy Quaid, the brother-in-law. And, Randy yeah, Quaid, my goodness good. gracious. Rob, it is our second annual Christmas special, or holiday special, if you will. Uh, it feels great. End of a second year. How do you feel? Yeah, it's it's kind of unbelievable. We've been doing this for two two years. Is it is it a, is it a full two years now? When did we start? No, it it's March? not. I, I I think we started recording around March of twenty one. Yeah. with a May release, I think. But uh, yeah, but well, pretty much it's it's the end of our second year. We're going into our third year now, really. Yeah, and I know it. It might seem like we are very infrequent in terms of our releases, and we are. But to be fair, in in two years, we've released 30 episodes, which isn't bad going. That's more than an episode a month. So not too bad. Not too shabby. Not too shabby for two guys with full-time demanding jobs. (laughs) Um, Obviously, I know we've said it before, I'd love to get kind of one out fortnightly but it just doesn't really work with our schedule unfortunately um but it's it's quality rather than quantity exactly exactly that's quality that's, episodes that's, devoted to uh steel with shaquille o'neal and, and <laughs> random episodes of superboy that nobody has watched in 30 years <laughs> except um anyway <laughs> yeah it's 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 been great. again we'll talk about it later on it's been a, it's been another great year we're, we're you know i'm reading for this episode again it's just the two of us i love these episodes where it's just me and you natter and on for an hour and um we're going to review last year we did the lois and clark episode christmas episode with the jeffersons you know the atomic space rats episode yes that was, it was one of the few uh, episodes of lois and clark to deal with the comic book villain um, yes. And it was a it was a pretty good interpretation of the toy man, and mm-hmm. uh, tonight's episode is also another episode of Lois and Clark that deals with a comic book villain, and I would argue that it is possibly the best version of this uh, comic book villain in live action. Uh, I do need to go back and watch some of the Supergirl episodes because I think he was pretty good in that too. But uh, no, I think he I think Mister Mixes Pillick and Lois and Clark is my favorite ver- live action version of Mr. I Mr. don't Mr. think that I have seen. Mixius Pidlick in live action other than in Lois and Clark. I definitely, I if I saw the Supergirl version, I don't remember it. I have a vague memory. He's like a Calvin Klein model looking dude. Well, now this is important to say because um, early on in Supergirl, they bring in a guy who plays Mixius Pidlick and he's just this handsome, sexy CW guy who's in love with Supergirl and it's kind of shit. It's not great. Later on in the series, they bring him back in and he has a new form and now he's Thomas Lennon and he's fantastic. He's just text, okay. he's perfect. So, you know, I'd say he's probably gives my favorite performance overall, but uh, hmm. this episode is, is just my favorite story in live action, we'll say. And, and bringing it all back to Christmas, I've never seen the version of Mixius Pitlick in Superboy, but I know the actor is the guy who froze to death in Scrooged. Have you seen Scrooged? Oh my goodness. I have seen Scrooged, yes. Thank God. Yes, I Thank have. Thank God. Now, okay. admittedly, I've only seen it once and I didn't really like it. Oh God. Alan's going to cut all this stuff it. out. And this I'm not going to cut any of it out. I need everybody to know yeah. what a crampus you are. They haven't seen Scrooge more than... And you don't love it. Oh my God. Scrooge is one of the greatest Christmas movies ever. But again, 
I'm biased. I saw it from when I was a kid. Loved it the whole way through. Um, a bit mean spirited. Looking back on it as an adult, it is a bit kind of dark, mean spirited. I'll give you that. I, I yeah, um, no, I, I'm into that though. Yeah, that that's I, yeah. I respect that a bit. Yeah. Uh, but that guy looks the part. Don't mm. ask me the actor's name, but he looks the part for Mixius Pitlick. But I, I remember you a kind of a throwaway comment you made before in a previous episode where you were like, "Those Mixius Pitlick episodes of Superboy weren't great." No, I, I, I just don't think they're good at all. Like, the, 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 if you find Superboy embarrassing at all, <laughs> like, don't watch those episodes. The fans <laughs> of the Superboy show seem to really like them, and I don't want to discredit their enjoyment, but I just find them so fucking stupid. It's like you're watching Power Rangers. It's, it's just really bad. I, I I really can't say a good word about them. They're they're not good. <laughs> I mean, he does look like the character from the comics, but does, some yeah. some things don't need to look exactly as they do in the comics. But like they, they, they at least they make an effort with the costume. And yeah, so I, I've seen images of it and that. Uh, nonetheless, might be worth revisiting oh. maybe with Zach down the line. I, get Zach back to do another I, one of these character deep dives. As much as I don't like those episodes, I cannot wait to talk about them on this podcast. <laughs> uh Let's get into some current news yeah. uh, in relation to Warner Brothers. We haven't spoken. Um, we we haven't spoken on the podcast in relation to James Gunn or anything like that since that whole news broke. I don't think. I think we. I know we spoke about Henry coming back. Uh, have we spoken about James Gunn um, heading up the DC studios? No, because I I, don't I, think so. I think it literally happened a day or two later. And we, we we weren't able to record, and th- th- there was no real concrete Superman news involved in yeah. any of that. So we, I, I don't think there was the same impetus to do that kind of emergency recording. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, like it, it literally happened days after we recorded the Henry Cavill thing. Yeah. So let, let's start at the start. James Gunn and he's and, and, and another dude who don't ask me his name. Peter Peter Safran. He's a longtime colleague Peter of James Safran. Gunn. Yeah. They've taken over as the heads of uh, DC Studios. What are your thoughts to that before we get into the rest of it? Um, my thoughts are, I was really excited when Jeff Johns and whoever the suit at the time <laughs> took over DC. I think it was DC yeah. Entertainment they were calling it at the time. And then for years, we just watched Jeff Johns not really having much of an impact. And the few occasions where he did, it wasn't really for the best. And... It, it all just turned out to be a bunch of nothing. And yeah. it felt like at the time that they were putting Jeff Johns as this kind of front man, this kind of guy who could talk to the fans and say, hey, guys, don't worry about it. It's yeah. going to be great. Trust me. And there, it kind of feels the exact same this time. The only difference being James Gunn is an accomplished filmmaker and knows how films are made and knows how to make films that, you know, strike a chord with general audiences and not just comic book fans. So, I mean, that is good, I suppose, maybe. And and also, he is a dyed-in-the-wool comic fan. He loves kind of random characters from back issues and bargain bins and things. And, you know, he was able to make Guardians of the Galaxy, the most unheard-of Marvel property ever, yeah. a huge household name success. So, I don't know. I mean, in a perfect world where everyone listens to his ideas, I think maybe it could be great. I just still have my doubts that they actually will, I think. Something will go horribly wrong. He'll get blamed for it. And Warner Brothers will like panic at the first sign of trouble and just go back to making a million Batman movies. Well, what did you think of, say, The Suicide Squad? Have you seen or have you seen The Peacemaker? I, I have to admit, I I was just so browned off with um kind of the state of DC movies that I didn't bother with this. And also it was in the middle of COVID and yeah, the middle of lockdown it. and all that. So I didn't see The Suicide Squad Um. So I, I so I never saw it, but I did hear that it was very good, and I know anyone 
anyone I know who has seen it seems to think that it was good. Um, so I, I am kind of keen to check it out over the Christmas break. I did watch the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special actually last mm-hmm. night. Me and too, yeah. I, I thought it was, for a lot of it, I thought it was, well, this is just pretty good. But then kind of towards the end, it really got me. And I, I found I was getting, I was nearly choking up near the end. So I don't know, like if if he can bring that level of enthusiasm and warmth to, let's say, a Superman movie or, or whatever, or a Guy yeah. Gardner movie or something like that. I, I feel like he'd love to do something like Guy Gardner or Booster Gold or something. Um, I, I'd be happy with that. And I do want to check out both the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker um, and I highly recommend. I thought Suicide Squad was okay. Um, I thought it was a bit strange. This kind of quasi reboot, quasi sequel from Suicide Squad. Um, but I really have to say that I went into Peacemaker not really with any intention of sticking with it. Just said I checked this out and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, that's good. Um, really enjoyed that and that entire series this year. One of the the series that I enjoyed the most um, out of contemporary TV this year. So yeah, I'm. I don't really know what to make of it, um, to be honest. Uh, like, at this point, I think it's just a mess. I think yeah. everything is a mess. And I think that I would have absolutely no issues with a hard reset. Um, like, news has come out now over the last... Few, we're getting mixed messages. We have, we're hearing that Black Adam was, was a bit of a flop, lost money. Then The Rock comes out. Dwayne Johnson, Johnson comes out and says that it actually made money. <laughs> We have a situation where <laughs> that was Henry ridiculous, Cavill, by the way. Just nonsense. And, <laughs> just he was just talking nonsense. I'm sorry. He was it's he clear was. as he day that it lost money. Like <laughs> that it lost money. Uh, Henry Cavill announces that he's coming back in some capacity. Now that's in question whether Henry Cavill is coming back. Uh, uh, the reports this week, just in the last few days, uh, are that um, Patty Jenkinson's script for Wonder Woman three has been re- kind of thrown out the window and that Wonder Woman 3 isn't happening maybe Gal Gadot is staying on maybe she's not nobody seems to know what, what are your thoughts well as far as the Henry Cavill thing is concerned you might recall in that emergency episode we did mm-hmm. I cast and I, I raised an eyebrow at, at his his video saying oh I'm back at Superman and I can't wait to share all this stuff because at the time I think I used the word bargaining chip and I, I actually still think that that's what happened I think he knew the James Gunn thing was happening so he, the, him and The Rock, and remember The Rock's representation is the same representation as Henry Cavill. So okay. it, The Rock was able to make that happen. And they filmed that scene very, very close to Black Adam coming out. And I, I'm sure there was some conversations had with Warner Brothers, but the James Gunn thing hadn't been finalized. Henry Cavill surely knew that that was around the corner. So he put that video, this is just me speculating, by the way. This is not like, I'm, I'm talking purely out of my arse here, but... I suspect that Henry Cavill put that video up knowing that there would be this huge fan uproar of delight that he was coming back and it would force James Gunn and Peter Safran to go, oh, hang on a second, we can't do a hard reset of Superman. We need to keep this guy in the fold or there'll be chaos. Yeah, And I I, I still kind of think that some version of that is, is what happened. Now, I know people are kind of attacking James Gunn on Twitter saying, oh, you hate Henry Cavill and all this. And he's responding to them directly saying, no, I don't. So I honestly don't know, but it does have a sniff of that kind of, you know, Henry Cavill just sort of playing his hand. I thought at the time when you when you made that remark, when you made that comment at the time, I thought that you were kind of out of it altogether. I, I, I kind of thought there was <laughs> that he would do that. That's crazy. 
now I'm kind of lean, leaning more so into your uh, thought way of of I I think it would be a very risky move on on Henry Cavill's part. But then again, what does he have? To what lose? does he have to lose? Yeah, exactly. Like, and and there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, he left The Witcher to do Man of Steel. Too. I don't think that's why he left The Witcher. Like, even if even if Man of Steel was going in production next year, he'd still have time to do that show. I think the reason he left that show yeah. was probably. The, you know, the, the rumours are that he didn't like the direction the story was going and that it wasn't close enough to the books. I think that actually probably is the real reason. I, I don't think he was going, oh, they're, you have to they're filming Superman next week. I gotta get out of the Netflix set. Despite what Henry Cavill looks like, he is a hardcore nerd. I mean, he's a Warhammer yeah. guy. He's a an online gamer. He, he loves the Witcher mythology. PC master um, race. He's always building computers. You know what I mean? So, like, I, I can, I can buy that that he he just wasn't happy with the direction yeah. that The Witcher was was going in. To be, I, I watched season one of The Witcher. I thought the whole kind of out of time, you know, the the fact that the entire first season was out of sequence, and it kind of took a few episodes to figure out what was going on. I thought that was unnecessary, but I never went back for season two. I keep meaning to go back for season two. I I don't know if I would at this point. Um, maybe maybe over the Christmas period, but I saw during the week that somebody asked uh, James Gunn on Twitter, is Superman still a priority? And James Gunn replied that Superman is the number one priority going mm. forward. Um, I wonder what that means. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's good. I'll say as well, he also posted a picture a week or two ago of Kingdom Come, and it was all the... It, mm, it was an yeah. Alex Ross painting, and... I mean, that shouldn't be bad news. But for me, I'm just going, oh, yeah. God, like so much of the Snyder stuff was was trying to yeah, be Kingdom dystopian. Come, you know, yeah. dystopian Superman who's had enough Superman who's lost faith in humanity or whatever, or or not quite that, but similar. It's like, can we just do a Superman movie, James Gunn? Do, yeah. do we need to do Kingdom Come? And I'd say if we asked Mark Wade, you know, would you like them to do Kingdom Come straight away? He'd probably say the same thing. He'd be like, no, make a fun Superman movie, make Kingdom Come you know, five yeah. or ten years down the road when you've established your foundation of, you know, your 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 base of characters. But there's no like doing it now now, again, we don't know what we're talking about. This is just a picture he posted out of context. It could mean absolutely nothing. But that was my but why post it. That was why post, why post it. it. That was my gut reaction when I saw that. I was like, ooh, we haven't learned anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, can you see a situation where we get a hard reset on Superman? with Henry Cavill in the role? Uh, no, no, I, d I don't think so, no. I, th I think yeah. the, the, the closest thing to a hard... You, you kind of said it already with, with the Suicide Squad, the way they were kind of like, well, some of these actors are the same, but we're not considering... I'd say it'll be something like that, but I don't think they dismiss Man of Steel or the Snyder films as much as they dismissed uh, David Ayer's Suicide Squad because... Mm. Um, well, I don't know, because then David Ayer's Suicide Squad made a lot more money than... The, the, I, I don't know. But I, I yeah. yeah, no, I, I honestly don't. And I, if if Henry Cavill is back, I don't see them recasting Lois Lane or maybe Perry White, but definitely not Lois Lane. They'll just not use her. And then they'll bring her back a movie or two later or something like that when when they can... Or they could go, in, they could down, go down the route of um, one of the... the the best films ever made. Superman, Superman 3, three yeah. Bring in Lana Lang or bring in a different uh, character in lieu of Perry White or something. Like Laurie Lamaris. They've never done Laurie Lamaris in live action. True. Very strange. True. Like, I I could see them doing something like that where they there's a different love interest or there's... And that would not be my preference, by the way, but yeah. I just think they're not going to recast Amy Adams. Like, they're... I, I don't... I can't understand why they do that. 
So, and that would be my biggest problem with continuing with Henry Cavill is that you, you're beholden to those other actors, I think. And, you know, you're not, you're not going to just replace them. So, yeah, you know, and I, I personally think Lois Lane isn't Pepper Potts or Mary Jane or one of these characters you can just swap out for one of the various other love interests. I think she's like as integral to Superman as like Commissioner Gordon is for Batman. You know, like you can't have a film without her, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but that's just my opinion. So and the only th- the only thing I can and I've said it before is some kind of a, a hard reset after whatever this flash mess mm. is that comes out that they do a kind of a flashpoint paradox and that's their reasoning for keeping say one or two three actors out of the existing universe and then replacing other actors going forward kind of like what they did in um in uh, in in the books and stuff but I um yeah, to be honest, at this point, I I think I just like to see a full hard reset, just start from scratch again, and forget everything that's come in know, the last ten years. I kind of hate saying this because it's a Superman podcast. I personally, what I'd love is if they just took a little break for a few years, like they didn't make anything at all for three or four years, and then come back. Well, that's my that's my that's my viewpoint when it comes to Marvel at the moment. Yeah, that is my viewpoint when it comes to the MCU. You know, there are things that I have enjoyed in Phase Four. Overall, I think Phase Four has been a bit of a damn squib i use that phrase on uh on an episode i did with zach moore and matt Truitt before and neither of them had ever heard of that phrase really a damn I, I can't squib? remember if they kept it yeah i don't i can't remember if they left it in the episode but they were like they laughed for like three minutes because they thought i just made that up um but that's uh, a common phrase what absolutely absolutely but neither of them had heard had, had heard of it and it's it was, i think it was, it's a thing it was the flash podcast we did it's it's not a thing that they like people say it in america as well <laughs> yes yeah, that's, that's odd. I, I found it so weird I, I it felt like i had slipped into a some kind of mirror universe where like it, people just didn't know it. um but that's my viewpoint on on marvel like there were, there were things i enjoyed i enjoyed elements of she hulk and, and, and things like that um but overall, I think after Endgame, they should have just taken a break for a few years and kind of let the audiences relax a little bit and then start bringing in characters again. There's a new threat. There's a new thing. And you know, secondary characters are coming up and you have your Iron Heart and all those kind of people, the She-Hulk or whatever you want to use. I, I just think people are, are fatigued with the MCU. And I, I think it's the same with, with DC, really. You know, except I don't think DC ever really produced the goods over the last... 10 years uh i think i think they have here and there and when you actually kind of take stock and go well there was that film and there was that and there was shazam Mm. and that was pretty good and then you know and like i was talking to my friend there the other day who has seen the suicide squad birds of prey aquaman and wonder woman 84 and the only one he said that he didn't really like was wonder woman 84 he said the rest of them were all either pretty good or very good so Wonder Woman 84 was dire. I haven't seen it yet. I I just well, like personally when it comes to any of this stuff if if I hear that it isn't good and loads of people are saying it isn't good, I just don't go and see it. Like there's this, I was there's so this whole disappointed. there's this whole thing of oh well we're fans and we need to support them. No, we don't. They're movies that are made yeah. for 200 million dollars. If you want to support something, go to an indie movie and support something that was made for like $40,000 or you know, we we actually don't need to support this stuff if it doesn't look any good. Like, just I, read I comics. I saw Wonder Woman. I saw Wonder Woman eighty four during the height of COVID. Of COVID, and we were kind of between lockdowns in Ireland at the time. There was still lockdown going on, but it was kind of relaxed and cinemas were open. And I remember my wife and I went to see it December two years ago, and it was such a treat to just get out. And I think it was only the two of us in the screening, and it was oh my god! I walked. I was like, even from the opening sequence the 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 very opening sequence is very strong okay 
and then they they uh, but it's set back in the day when she's a child and stuff and then they fast forward and it's, it's the 80s and there's this big rescue scene in a mall and it's just cartoon stuff it was just really really cringe and it just continued on throughout the whole film okay and then there was plot elements that were just really questionable and really problematic. I heard it. Um, I know. I know about yeah. that. Yeah. But tell me this much: so, people have mm-hmm. compared them to the weirder Christopher Reeve Superman sequels. Is there any truth to that? Do you get that vibe at all? Yeah, but not in a good way. I don't think. Yeah, you're you're definitely leaning more into Superman three territory. Yeah, that's exactly what than I thought. Anything else? Uh, but it's just such a departure from the first film. It's it's. It's just so kind of popcorny. The story doesn't really make much sense. The villain is mm. just it's 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 an unfinished. It, it's like a I tell you what it's like. It's like a really early draft of a script that okay. just wasn't polished and needed another few rewrites before they filmed it. And like all the goodwill that had been garnered from Wonder Woman, which I really enjoyed to a certain point. I didn't really like the climax at the end, mm. um, which I really enjoyed. All that good kind of will that Patty Jenkins had kind of built up was just squandered with the film. And I haven't yeah. gone back to it since. I haven't I haven't watched it since. You can watch it for free on some streaming app that I have now, but I haven't gone back to it since. T- two, two other final things I wanted to touch on. Um, first was that there, there, there is two projects apparently that are completely safe that one of them obviously is uh, or three three projects i think one of them obviously is uh, the batman uh, sequel mm-hmm. that's definitely going ahead it's definitely going to continue to be its own thing and apparently the colin farrell uh, penguin tv show is definitely going ahead as well and uh, okay. when i heard about that first i was like ugh. but now i'm kind of like I could I could go for the Soprano set in Gotham City. I think that could be fun. As long as that's what it is. I do, yeah. I don't need to see another season of Gotham. No, I, d- I sincerely doubt it'll be anything like that. I think they'll actually, if anything, it'll be too grounded. It, that's my prediction. Like what I want is, did you ever read the Gotham Central series? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I've been I, saying for a million years, why don't we just make Gotham Central uh, as a TV show and have Batman like out there in the background, but not necessarily. Anyway, um, the other thing that is definitely safe is Joker. Um, and then apparently, allegedly, the J.J. Abrams produced Tanahesi Coates Superman movie is still very much in like development so maybe that'll happen maybe that'll still go ahead and it'll firmly be its own thing over there and they'll they'll do a mainstream uh dc universe superman who will be henry cavill or someone like him uh so there'll be the two kind of running at once um so that's promising now i don't know like jj abrams could end up cutting ties with dc now as a result of the james gunn stuff maybe Maybe those two aren't necessarily going to see eye to eye, but I, I, that's something I'd still very much like to see. Um, yeah, me too. The, the, other, the only other project I'm thinking of that I think is safe as well is Peacemaker Season 2. Peacemaker, yeah. And by all accounts, that was a big success. Everybody liked it. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if it did the numbers or anything like that, but certainly critically and the James Gunn connection there, you'd assume that that would be safe. And I'm looking forward to watching that, I have to say. I, I wanted to just mention quickly as well that... It was announced during the week that apparently there was a Michael Keaton Batman movie in development that was cancelled and it was Batman Beyond for fuck's sake. How true is this? What are you thinking? (laughs) Is it true? Because I'd say it's true. Why wouldn't it be true? uh, I've been I've been wanting that film. Everyone's been wanting that film. 15 years. And I thought it was a pipe dream. And then he came back for this and I was like, oh, it's not Batman Beyond, but it's something. And to find out that there was some kind of 
development going on with to an actual Batman Beyond film. Uh, and you had said it before, as far as I, can I remember, said you... from day number one, everyone was complaining. Oh, he's he's too old to play Batman. I said, for, if you watch the pilot of Batman Beyond, Bruce Wayne is is Batman in 50s, it. 60s, he's 50s. he's his late late fifties, early sixties, whatever age he is, and then he decides not to be Batman anymore. And then they skip forward ten years. And if you look at those set photos of Michael Keaton, they're clearly aging yeah. him down. He's wearing this wig to make him look ten years yes. younger than he is. I guarantee. They were planning this thing where it was going to be kind of late 50s, early 60s, which Michael Keaton can still pass for. He's a good looking guy. Absolutely. They were going to do that in The Flash and Batgirl. And then in Batman Beyond, they were going to skip forward 10 or 15 years to your crazy cyberpunk Gotham. And he was going to be old man Bruce Wayne. And they were going to do it. And I, I guarantee that's what the plan was. And now it sounds like they've dumped it just like everything else. You maniacs! <laughs> yeah, that's 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 heartbreaking, really. When you stop, when you stop thinking about it. for someone like there's so many generations came after, and Christopher Nolan's Batman is their Batman and everything. But Michael Keaton's cinematic universe, say what you want about it, that the Tim Burton films really were my wheelhouse growing up. Like it was eighty nine, ninety two returns, and the the Batman the animated series like that. Those will always be my yeah my, my Batman. So the thought that I could we could have had him back. Um, with some version of Terry, be male or female or whatever, just and that we won't get to see I, that. You know, it's 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 bad enough we're not going to get to see the Batgirl film. I'm sure. Look, I, I have no doubts that it probably wasn't great, but anything to see Michael Keaton in the suit, I just yeah. don't want to see. I it. I still I I don't believe even Warner Brothers is foolish enough not to actually make this though. Like if yeah. you know, I of all the things they've kind of shit canned, I I still hold out hope that they will actually make this because. Not not only is it just Michael Keaton coming back, it's that specific version of Batman is just tailor made for Batman Beyond because you're you're taking the the crazy gothic Anton first Gotham and then plunging it into you know seventy or eighty years into a distant cyberpunk future with flying cars and Blade Runner aesthetic and all that. Like it's it wouldn't work for the Nolan Batman. Nobody would want to see it for the Schumer Schumacher Batman, and there'd be there'd be no point. You can't do it with Matt Reeves because he's you know and then. The, the Ben Affleck Batman, yeah, I mean, maybe, but like, what even was the aesthetic in those films? What did Gotham even yeah. look like? It just looked like Metropolis with a slightly darker filter. It fits so perfectly with that Tim Burton. Yeah, it'd be so universe. good. I, I, I think they will still make that. I I, I, well, let, I hold out hope for that one. Well, look, let me finish on this, this one yeah. question. Going forward, what are you looking for from DC? Are you looking for them to finally follow the Marvel formula? and do what Marvel did from 2008 up to 2020 or 2021, whatever Endgame was? Or are you looking for kind of what we got a taste of already with films like Joker and The Suicide Squad, where you get these talented directors to come in and make their own films using these characters, and they don't have to follow any certain continuity, they don't have to, certain, they don't have to follow any certain style, they're just left to their own devices. Which is not something that Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers execs are great at doing. Um. Yes. <laughs> no. I, no. No. Like I think. You know, if you're making a Green Lantern movie, or like, what am I trying to say here now? I I think they just need to be true to the characters. It's always been the case. Just be true to the characters, and if you want to cross them over later on, fine. That's how DC Comics worked to begin with. It wasn't. It wasn't like Marvel, where it was interconnected from the start. They, they told stories that were true to those characters. They told them really well. They struck a chord with audiences. And then later on down the line, they kind of said, well, maybe they're all friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 
I, I just I just wish they could, you, never mind Superman. I wish they could make a really, really good Green Lantern movie. You know, there's so many ways you could do it. I wish they could, you know, I, I maybe not the Flash as much because I think the TV versions have been so near and dear to my heart. And I think, I, I know you're less fond of the later season. I think at least the first two and a half-ish seasons of the, the CW Flash, like, that served that character. I, I only really bought well. the first season on Blu-ray recently. Yeah, yeah. like I, I think that's been fairly well covered. But there's no nothing to say they couldn't make an amazing Flash movie. Um, you know, Martian Manhunter. Where is he? You know, like yeah. there's so many characters. I, I just, I'd love to see done really, really well on the big screen. And front and center, I would just love them to make another great Superman movie. And if they're, if they're making Superman, to go back to your original question, I think I probably would prefer them to just do like a standalone. You know, so, so something that is just so true to Superman in and of itself and isn't beholden to telling a larger story about the new gods or the Justice League or that any of that shit. Because I feel like Superman just gets dragged into that all the time. It always has to yeah. be about even Superman, the animated series. Like there were so many episodes where they were setting up the, the DC animated universe. And that's that's fine. But like, I think there's so much you can do with just Superman on his own that I'd, I'd love to see just a really, really good Superman movie. And, you know, I, I, I keep pointing at the Batman, like, no, you shouldn't make Superman like Batman. But if you, like, The Batman by Matt Reeves just trusted the character and was able to tell, yeah. like, this scaled-back, character-driven story. Yeah, it wasn't a perfect movie, but it was it was great fun. I really enjoyed it. And why can we not just do that for Superman? Question mark. Like, I think we really could. So that's what I want to see more than anything else. Excellent. Will we take a quick visit back to 1990s Metropolis for the final time in 2022? Yes, I'm looking forward to this. Let's get some, let's get Christmassy. Um, so we're going to talk about an episode of Lois and Clark. Why are we concentrating on a Christmas episode of Lois and Clark again? Uh, because it's their show and that's what we want. To do. <laughs> <laughs> and because there's so many of them. It's, it's yeah, like there's plenty of Christmas content when it comes to Superman stuff, but uh, I Lois and Clark for me growing up with it back in the day, you know, Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. I wanted. That's, I just wanted to go straight back to to nineties Metropolis and and talk about the show that's so near and dear to our hearts. So tonight we're going to talk about season four, episode eleven, titled "Twas the Night Before Maximus." Originally aired April nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven. Runtime was 44 minutes, and it was directed by Michael Viger. Synopsis reads, a mischievous imp... Viger! <laughs> you are the creator? When, when I typed it, I didn't cop it, but when I said it there, I was like, oh, he's definitely going to... He's not going to let this one go. Uh, a mischievous imp with plans to conquer the world puts a spell on the people of Metropolis on Christmas Eve. Very poor synopsis, thank you, IMDb. But um, yeah, so it's a Mixy Spit-like episode. Uh, I hadn't seen it in years. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. It is to to break it down to its barest parts. It is a Groundhog Day episode yes. of Lois and Clark. Um, are you a fan of Groundhog Day? Oh yes, I am. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say I've never seen no, it. And no, I was going to just close. I was just going to shut the show down. And and Groundhog Day is really handy for me because my girlfriend's birthday is the third of my girlfriend, my fiance. I got engaged this year. Um, Congratulations. My fiance's uh, birthday is the day after Groundhog Day, which we all remember happens at the end of Groundhog Day. So it's a re- yes. it's a really easy way to remember. <laughs> and one year, I accidentally wished her a happy birthday on Groundhog Day, <laughs> and I didn't hear the end of it. <laughs> so there we go. 
I'm a huge fan of it. I yeah. saw it when it first came out. I'm a big fan of 80s uh, films. I know it came out in the early 90s, but it had all those kind of, you know, Harold Ramis directed it. Mm. Bill Murray was in it. You know, it, it's very much in that kind of zeitgeist. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Groundhog Day. It's one of my favorite films. So um, I, I haven't seen this episode. I hadn't seen it in years, um, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it when we sat down to when I sat down to watch it this morning. And it, it all kind of came back to me. Um, but, yeah, like you said earlier on, not too many examples of comic book villains appearing in Lois and Clark but this is one of them we had Metallo we had Toy Man um, we have Mixius Pidlick we had we had Dr. Light in season two Every- we had Dr. Light we had everyone forgets about that we had the prankster yeah we, we, we had both the, the prankster from the comics and also a, yes. an original villain f- for the show who was also called the prankster we had Max Menken from the Broadway musical uh, we, there's, we had Max Minkin, yeah. There's definitely, and obviously Lex Luthor. Yeah, there's definitely one or two other really random ones. Gretchen Kelly from um, the uh, the kind of well, yeah, no, I think she is from the John Bernier era. Uh, she she was a big sort of side character in uh, in kind of Lex Luthor's sphere uh, throughout the kind of eighties comics, and she was played oh, by Denise Co- Denise Crosby and Lawson Clark. I didn't realise that was a comic character. Um, oh, yeah, baby. Uh, Professor Hamilton had his first live-action debut. Professor Hamilton, yes. Uh, yeah. th- there is a few others. I-, I can't think of them right now. But, yeah, th- there is there is a fair few kind of... If if you really look for them, they are in there in Lois and Clark, which, which And which we I basically like. have General Zod with Lord Noor. I know it's, uh, yeah. but it's, it's basically the same the same thing. Um, but, yeah, so Howie Mandel as Mr. Mixius Pidlick. Uh, casting thoughts. What do you think of that? Yeah, I I thought he was pretty good. Like I thought he was great. Like the, the, Lois and Clark for me has a tonal problem a lot of the time with the villains, especially especially after Lex Luthor. Like a lot of them just stray too far into Adam West kind of over the top campy, and but but it doesn't work the way it worked in Adam West Batman. Like it's just too yeah. over the top and too silly. And like Howie Mandel in this episode. Yes, he's very silly and very goofy and kind of childlike in, in a lot of parts, but he's also kind of menacing. And like, you really believe that he's this fifth dimensional imp who wants to get one over Superman. And yeah, like, I think he's deceptively good in this episode. I, I really yeah. enjoy him. Um, And I remember watching this originally when it came out back in 1997. And being from Ireland, I had no idea who Howie Mandel no. was at the time. Um, he, he's, he wasn't really a name here. Like, I know little things about him. Like, he did the voice of Gizmo in uh, Gremlins. Um, I know that, obviously, he was a judge on America's Got Talent or one of those big American... That's kind of where everybody knows him from over here. Um, but, yeah, I thought he was I thought he was really, really solid. And the fact that he didn't look like the character from the comics didn't matter to me. They kind of dressed him up to look kind of like a... He, he almost looks like a pirate or something, kind of those kind of clothes, kind of frilly shirts and stuff. Um, but, yeah, he seems to be having a lot of fun with it, and I just really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, like, Mixus Pillock varies, you know, in, in the comics, sometimes he's just a playful little trickster, and then sometimes he's an actual villain, and I, th- yeah. I think this, in this story, they definitely veer more towards him being an actual villain who wants to rule the universe and cause havoc and cause pain and misery, which isn't always something Mr. Mixus Pillock wants to do, but I think they they did it in, in a way that felt true to the character from the comics, and every time I watch this episode, I'm like, how come this wasn't a character who not only frequented in this show, but how come, like, there's one episode of Smallville in 10 years yeah. where Mixus Pidlick shows up. He's tailor-made for TV shows. Like, look at Q from Star Trek. He's basically the same character. 
And um, yes. if you watch Supernatural, which has a lot of kind of ties to Lois and Clark, which will, that's probably a story for another show. But um, there's a character in that who's basically the same as Q or Mrs. Pidlicky. He's kind of a trickster character. And there's a Groundhog Day episode of that, which is caused by the trickster character in that show. And like, it's just a well-worn TV trope, you know, the kind of God character who can snap his fingers and anything happens. And it's it's weird that we don't see more of him in Superman TV shows because you don't really need a lot of special effects to to do Mrs. No. Pidlick well. You just need to be able to, you know, pause a frame or like have someone pop at a thin air, you know. So, or like in this episode, have Terry Hatcher stand very, very still. Yeah, not blink. But not quite still enough. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I thought she was pretty good there. Like she did, she managed to not blink for like a full kind of thirty seconds. It was impressive. But yeah, no, you could see like an ever so slight shudder. <laughs> so the basics of this episode is that it's Christmas time. Lois is getting ready. She's having a couple of people, a few people, over to the house for the. Their, I believe it's their first Christmas in in the brownstone. Maybe I'm wrong. And she's under pressure. Clark is very much kind of enjoying the Christmas spirit. Lois doesn't enjoy the Christmas spirit as much as Clark. Her her upbringing was a lot different. She sees the commercialism of it. She's a, much more of a skeptic. This might surprise um, you, Alan. I relate more to Lois in this episode than Clark. And I actually, relate, to, to be fair, I, I was about to say I, I relate more to Clark, but maybe since I became a dad over the last couple of years, I'm really noticing the, the, the commercial side of it and the, the pressure side of it. And, the, you know, like I find like, do you know how hard it is as someone who has seen Jingle All The Way plenty of times? <laughs> do you know how hard it is to find a PJ Masks watch in December of 2022? <laughs> PJ Masks watch. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it, it is very, there is a pressure on parents and there is a pressure on people, especially in this Instagram era to have the perfect christmas the perfect photographs the perfect experiences you know show off the perfect lives so even though i i would say that i am more like clark when it comes to enjoying christmas and the christmas spirit definitely the older i get i'm seeing the 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 cracks in the in the in the whole system yeah well i i worked in retail throughout all of college for like five years and i had to tear myself out of bed on december 26th to go and work in the St. Stephen's Day, as we call it over here, sales. And uh, yeah, and like right up right up till Christmas Eve, literally on Christmas Eve, you'd be working, like trying to get everything ready for the sales and there'd mm. be customers shouting at you and people crawling all over each other. So it didn't, uh, yeah, for, for a long time, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about Christmas. Now, since then, now I'm a little bit older and I'm able to enjoy it with my fiance and stuff. Last year, yeah. I had the best Christmas ever. I had COVID throughout Christmas. And we were locked into the apartment. We couldn't do anything except sit around, watch Christmas movies, drink eggnog and drink cocktails. And it was the best Christmas ever. I have never, I have never tasted eggnog in my life. Oh, you should definitely. It's it's not hard to make. I, I, I Most people, most Irish people I know haven't had it, but I yeah, highly recommend it's it. It's, it's, it's really nice. It's, it basically just tastes like kind of uh, ice cream, but not as not as thick. Like it's easier to drink. And you, you oh. just put, you can put um, brandy in it or you can put whiskey in it. And yeah, I, I make it every year. I love it. It's really nice. And obviously in my profession, like I've worked my fair share of Christmas Eves and Christmas days and stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being off this year. I, I, thankfully, I've been off every year since Alana Jean was, was born. So long may that continue. Um, but yeah, so Howie Mandel's Mr. Mixius Pidlick turns up and he announces that he, his, 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 intention is to take over the world complete world domination and he the only person that 
can stop him is Superman. He kind of tracked him to the exact location, but Superman has rushed off to to um, save somebody. And uh, there's a, a dog barking. He turns the dog into a toy. Yeah. You kind of tell straight away he's floating in the air. You can tell he's a magical. He, I think he, he he mentions the fact that he's an imp and everything. Then we we get into the credits and the the episode goes continues on. And the long and the short of it is we won't go through it scene by scene. But the long and the short of it is is that in an exposition dump where Mixie's Pidlick is sitting, sitting at a bar explaining everything to a bartender for no apparent reason, he wants to he wants to destroy Superman by removing hope. Yeah. Because Superman is the symbol of hope. And in order to remove hope, he has to remove tomorrow. So he basically traps everybody in a four-hour loop of time between midday and 4 p.m. And what we get is a series of repeat scenes where Lois and Clark come out of an elevator in the the Daily Planet bullpen, uh, bullpen. And... Things kind of each time they do it, it it diminishes. So and Cl- they, Clark they Clark f- is the only one who remembers uh, each yeah. time. You know that the previous loop, he he remembers the events that have led up to it each time. So he he's able to anticipate things before they happen, like Bill Murray and Groundhog Day. And each time the loop repeats itself, everybody is a little bit more uh, demoralized, a little bit more hopeless, a little bit more disillusioned. So it starts off when they when they exit off the elevator first. Um, uh, Ralph, the, the the guy Ralph is a little bit drunk, a little bit tipsy. He's very jolly. He steadily gets more drunk as each day. I think there's four. The day repeats itself four times. He gets worse. Uh, Perry is full of kind of Christmas spirit. He's he's bought this huge big Christmas tree out of his own uh, pocket. He's going to be alone that Christmas, but he's still trying to be optimistic about it. As the episode goes on and the and the loop repeats itself, the tree gets smaller, and again Perry gets more negative and more negative, and we see that over and over again. There's this kind of context to it that there's a it's probably just it's probably just gonna die right there in the middle of the newsroom pine cones I, I, I love the silver one that he gets he's like <laughs> i just brought it up in the basement and he's so enthusiastic at the, yeah. at the start and um, there's this backdrop of a peace treaty that is uh close to being signed on the first on the first uh, day and then by the fourth loop it's it's broken down and the the, the war has been declared basically so everything goes down God. we get to the point where jonathan basically has a heart attack because uh, the frost has affected the crops and the banks aren't going to help them out. Probably the first, definitely the first inclination or the first indication of Jonathan having heart problems in Lois and Clark, I think, is it? Uh, yeah, well, he never, he never, it never amounted to anything. Sure didn't? Well, he had a heart attack. At the, he had a, he has a heart attack. And oh, in, yeah, but it doesn't count yeah. like at the end of no, the episode. No, yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. No, because it resets and then they figure it out. So um, what do you think of it overall? Do you have a lot of fun with it? Yeah, th- this is my favorite episode of uh, season four of Lois and Clark, at least. And I remember Same. back when I used to review episodes for the Superman homepage. Um, I-, I made it as far as season four and I got really tired of it by season four because yeah. you got to the stuff like, uh, well, I mean, the new Krypton arc was, we you know, we spoke about that on Math Show. I really, really enjoyed that. But it just grinds to a halt after that. Like all the wedding stuff is terrible. The ghost yeah. episode with Drew Carey. I did an episode with Matt on that. That's oh, pretty bad. There's there's a couple of really really bad episodes. The, the Lois Lane um, murder. Yeah, trial that's story. pretty bad. That that one. And then the um, the Tempest one, Soulmates. It's the it's the only bad Tempest episode. It's just really boring and bad and goofy and stupid. And then you get to this one, and I was like, I was fairly sick of the show, and I kind of didn't, you know. And I watched this one. I was like, oh my, this is this is fantastic. I really really enjoyed it, and. 
I remembered it from when I was a kid and not thinking it was great back then, but I watched it this time and I just thought, you know, this just captures the spirit of this show perfectly. Like it does everything right. Yeah. It gets the relationship between Lois and Clark right. It gets Superman's role in Metropolis at this point in the show just perfect. Um, like he's still human, he's still Clark, he's still a man, but he's very much become that like kind of larger symbol that we know him from in the comics and the the movies and yeah. all that stuff. And it's just a really nice Christmas story. Like it's a nice kind of Christmas spirit type story. And my my, my favorite thing about it is as someone who is a little bit cynical about Christmas, like it touches on all those things. It touches on, you know, the 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 commercialism and the greed and the gluttony, as Lois says. She confuses yeah. Christmas with the seven deadly sins. Um but you know it does it in it in a tastefully syrupy way i think and uh well, like, that that, that scene w- that scene where you know mrs pillock is like you know that there's nothing you can do I, i'm i'm going to drown out hope there's only room for one god in this universe and unless you leave you know i'm just it, it'll result in them all dying and clark's like i'm not going anywhere because i will find the last remaining spark of of hope and in you know the what human I love spirit about that? And I will, I will never quit until I find it. And I think that's one of the best Superman scenes in the whole show. It's so good, that bit. In our last episode, we spoke about never-ending battle with Zack. And very similar premise where Lex Luthor turns to Superman when Superman realizes that he's being put through all these tests by Lex. And Lex turns around and he says, you know, what if these tests don't stop? Mm. What if people die? And Superman has, this, has to go off and kind of seclude himself and ponder his existence and eventually he decides to come back yeah and there's none of that here yes he's gone through that journey already and he knows what he's all about and i i love that about this episode that's a great point actually yeah because he's developed to that point now where he knows his his role and yeah no that that's one of that's my and it's you know everyone even michael bailey the noted superman historian a lot of people talk shade about Dean Cain's performance as both Clark and Superman in this show, more so Superman. But I, yeah. I, I think this episode, like if you're not sold on the show or if you've only seen, you know, the first couple of episodes of the first season and you think Dean Cain isn't a very good Superman, you know, real life politics notwithstanding, I've no respect for the man in real life, but just watch this episode. I, th- I think he's extremely good both as Clark and as Superman in this episode. And, and that one scene where he's kind of facing down Mixes Pillock is just just definitive Superman for me. I, I really really enjoy it. Absolutely. The the only and the only thing I would criticize, and it's a very small thing, it's it's okay. it's not about the, the writing of the show. Well, it is. It's exactly about the writing of the show. Actually, Jimmy's girlfriend in the episode, Brenda. <laughs> Brenda, right? So Jimmy has a new girlfriend, as he often does in the show. A Rhodes Scholar. She's a Rhodes Scholar, and then as the time loop starts and everyone starts losing hope. She, you know, she's no longer a Rhodes Scholar. She is portrayed as someone who is down on her luck and has no hope in her life, as Clark puts it. And Lois basically says that the way she dresses, she looks like someone of a certain profession. And I'm going to say it because I found it. I actually spat my drink out a little bit. So there's this scene where Lois is kind of describing, you know, Perry is dejected because he always, he regrets never being Santa for his kids. And Jonathan's upset because the crop, the, the frost has, you know, affected the crops and the banks won't help him out. And, quote, Jimmy's depressed because his girlfriend is a hooker. It's just it's just so like needlessly cruel and, yeah. you know, slut shaming and. 
the the woman she's just fashionably dressed like she's not even that scantily clad like if if this was if you compared the clothes and the hairstyle she has to you know a college you know someone at a college party in 2022 you know if anything her sense of style has actually aged really well and yeah, it's, so she's just got like she starts off with the she's kind of got the Lois Lane season one bob and kind of a, a suit on. And then we never really get to hear from this woman at all. No, she, she comes off an elevator. She waves to everybody. She looks very kind of professional and and, and um, sophisticated at the start. And every time the loop repeats itself, she just gets a little bit more casual and kind of like by the yeah. end of it, by, but like in her worst phase, she's kind of like she's ready to go out to a nightclub yeah she's got hoop earrings and she's got like fishnet stockings which i suppose they were a lot more risque back then than they probably will be now but like she's got a mini skirt a crop top she looks like someone who could be a background extra in the slicery in sabrina the teenage witch like it's in no way shocking or and you know women you know wear what you want don't let lois lane tell you what to wear that's one of my, one of my main issues. Nineties nineties woman Lois Lane. Yeah, like you know, definitely not in season one where Deborah Joy Levine was caught on the shots. But when you get into season two to four, Lois Lane, they, they they give her this dialogue where she's being really critical of other women. She's constantly talking about how she's fat and she needs to stop yeah. eating treats. And you're just like, God, like give yourself a break, Lois, and give other women a break. You know, yeah. but that's what happens when your show is written primarily by men in the 90s <laughs> you know one thing i did like about the um about the episode was we have this for some reason again similar to a, an episode we spoke about recently may, perhaps even never ending battle with zach someone decides to rob a bank in Metropolis. oh yeah yeah terrible idea why would anybody do that um but it starts off in the first uh, i'll just categorize them as days when day one it's very throwaway. Guy goes to rob a bank. Superman catches him, hands him to the police. Thanks, Superman. Appreciate the help, and that's it. And as the days go on, you can see the cops get more dejected. The the criminal is like, why are you even stopping me? Mm. The judges aren't even going to entertain it, whatever. But then in the last day, we kind of get this, like for this throwaway hood, a backstory to him. Yeah. You know, he's lost his job. It's the week before Christmas, or it's a few days before Christmas. He's got kids. He doesn't want to tell his wife he's lost a job. He doesn't know what to do. And we kind of see that another layer to Superman, I think, or even another layer to these characters where, you know, yeah. it's not all black and white all the time. No. And I, I enjoy that because you don't get that often in this show. I, I really like that. And I think it's it's kind of, the, that's probably one of the bits that's aged the best about this is because hmm. one of the inherent problems with superheroes is that it's very black and white and there's a lot of cops and robbers and stuff like that. And, you know, the, you know the common criticism is Batman. It's 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 a one percenter beating up a lot of poor people. You know, and then in, yeah. in this you get to see the the problems that society causes that <laughs> results in criminals. You know, um, and, and it's something it's it, it's something that I, on a personal level, have have slowly learned over time myself. Like when I first joined the guards, when I first became a, a cop, it was very black and white mm. to me, very black mm. and white. And over time, even up to recently, I remember I met a guy recently and he basically just chatting, you know, while I was dealing with him, told me his life story. And I remember walking away and I came home to my wife and I was like, Jesus Christ. I was like, anybody who lived through what that guy lived through, 
there's there's no hope for them. Absolutely. Like, there's no, you know, it's it's not black, you know, it's not black and white. It's not straight up. And I really appreciated that they did that here yeah. with someone as in, insignificant as you know, yeah, a bank robber. And and I think um, w- one of the other kind of side stories that Superman encounters is is this. Uh, this jumper so initially we, we think he's yes. just rescued a man from falling off the top of a building and then you know as the day goes as the days go by you find out that he's this really wealthy billionaire um, and then finally you find out that he actually jumped because he's just he you know that he has no one to share his his billions with and he's just lonely and alone and all this kind of stuff and but then on the final day Superman flies up anticipating that he's going to jump catches him and he says you know you don't have to do this I you know I, I know and there are people who can help you and or, or something like that. He he just yeah. he makes him feel seen. And I think that's the best thing Superman does. He does the same thing with the bank robber. He just makes him feel seen and heard. And I think it kind of reminded me of that. Um, was, was it all star Superman where? Oh, where, where he Superman, where he find where he yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the girl. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, it's not it's not entirely dissimilar to that. Yeah. And, it, it you know, it's not as powerful as that moment, obviously, but it's it's similar like. Um, this is my question in relation to that, though, because I, I couldn't quite, in, I wasn't sure. Did the billionaire jump on day one? Yes. Yeah. And, because and he's the, so positive when Superman catches him and he's so thankful and, you know, you're great, Superman. I really appreciate it. Um, I, I much preferred if he jumped on day one rather than he was just so hopeless on day four that he jumped. Yeah. And and that that was the only thing, rewatching it, I was kind of like, why would he be so positive that you know after superman saved him and superman flies away and he just says to himself if only there were more like him it's like why would he yeah. think that it's if just he, to say face i don't know it's just yeah. to say face I, I think you know it's just the, the mask that people wear sometimes i suppose S- side yeah. uh, side point that that guy who played the billionaire also played a uh a homeless man who may or may not be Santa Claus in a Christmas episode of Beverly Hills No Two and from about two years prior to this. I have to bring up that show every time we do an episode for some reason. Um. So yeah. So the, the episode basically wraps up with they decide that they're, they're kind of on their last loop. Um. Uh, Jonathan was going to die at the very end of the third loop. This is the fourth loop, and Lois. Another thing that I really like is that Lois remembers in the fourth loop. Mm. Because when Mixius Pidlick gives Superman the ultimatum, when he gives Clark the ultimatum on loop three, he freezes time, everybody's frozen. But Superman's resilience, his ability to step up to him and refuse to comply, kind of awakens Lois from that freeze. And she basically tells him to piss off back to wherever he came from. And then time resets. And on the fourth loop, he, he remember, remembers she remembers yeah, as well yeah yeah i really enjoyed that i really like that yeah and like when he's talking to mr mixes pitlick bef- right before she remembers he points out that he loves these people so much and that's why he's never going to leave and it's it's at that moment that lois wakes up and once again yeah. i i think i said it in our superman and lois uh episode you know that if if, if you're if you're gonna tell me that your episode or your show is about the power of love and or friendship and how it's more powerful than any malevolent force in the universe. I'm with you, baby. <laughs> it's it's like it's such a well-worn team, but I'll just go with it yeah. every time. And if you if you tell me that Clark loves these people so much that it caused this like cascading wave of energy throughout the universe. I'm in. I'm in. I'll buy it, baby. I'm like in. that's fine. I'll buy that for a dollar. Like, you know, great. <laughs> and there's um, there's so plenty then... there's plenty of people who'd say that that's fucking stupid, but you know what? 
Listen to a different podcast. <laughs> but like, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of, of darkness in the episode. We've got the guy who jumps off the roof. We've got the robber who's robbing the bank because he can't support his family. We've got Perry who's miserable. He's divorced and his kids nobody's around. We've got Jonathan who's uh, very despondent because he thinks the banks are going to foreclose on the farm. Clark's uh, Lois's mother. Does Lois's mother have a name? Um, Ellen. Ellen Lane. Ellen. Yeah. Ellen. Ellen is. Uh, an alcoholic she's recovering at the start and she kind of slips back into the alcoholism as the loops progress um so like it, it goes to these kind of dark places these things that people really struggle with but then what i really like at the end is that they spend the fourth loop trying to give hope back to everybody and it's it's really enjoyable they get perry to dress up as santa for kids who um i think the, the hospital that the sick kids the hospital burnt down all their presents were destroyed the billionaire helps out with that situation as well by rehousing the kids and giving them giving them gifts superman gets the the bank robber a job working at the bank that he was going to rob love it security love it and she gives love it she, the bank manager comes out and gives him an advance paycheck love it it's yeah, it's so it. goofy and silly and it's just that perfect type of superman silliness that i will i'll just go along and with it, it ends with everybody in the bullpen and you know it's like two minutes to four the loop is about to reset and Lois starts singing Christmas carols and everybody joins in and it's very hokey like it's the end of a wonderful life and uh, Howie Mandel shows up and he's very annoyed about it and they trick him into saying his name backwards just like the comics by giving him a present and it says it's from his name backwards and he kills up Zixim yeah well oh, done. Killed up six. Well done. Well done. Um, so, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. Five out of five for me. I, I, I really think even if you're not a Lois and Clark fan and you're looking for some Christmas content and you can access it on whatever it's on in the States or wherever or on your DVD or whatever, just check it out. It's, what did I say it was? Uh, season four, episode 11. If you've got the DVDs, uh, the, the complete box set, it's disc uh, three, I think. Um, and, and in the season four uh, season, it's it's great. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe our UK listeners can find the episodes on Amazon as well. Now, uh, you can download, you can digitally download the HD episodes on Amazon, which is pretty cool. We can't do it here in Ireland for some godforsaken oh. reason, but you can do that in the UK. But uh, no, yeah, I echo everything you said. It's one of my favorite episodes. I, I was thinking that actually that it is fairly standalone other than Lois and Clark being married and her knowing that he's Superman everything else you could just you could read it you could read it as if it was a Superman comic and it would just completely work on its own it's just a lovely little story nobody ever really talks about it I just think it's I think it's really really good and it's my favorite version of Mixes Pitalik uh, in live action Um, and I I wish they do more with him in these shows because I think he's an easy character to get right and you don't need big special effects to do him and uh, I think it would be really, really good to see more of them. And uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah. And again, like I said, if, if if it's a case that you're just looking for some good Superman content, Christmas related content, sit down, throw it on and just sit back, relax. And I guarantee you'll be smiling by the end of it. And in relation to Superman Christmas content, I wanted to mention uh, one of my favorite Superman comics from when I was a kid. Uh, Super Superman 165 from uh, 2001. It has the back in the triangle era where they'd they'd give you the little number in a Superman uh, shield and they'd tell you which uh, which issue that was in sequence because all the Superman books at that time were uh, were connected. 
So you could literally read a different Superman comic every week and it would continue the story. And this was the sixth Superman issue of the year. Um, and it's Superman 165. And it's basically shortly after Lex Luthor has been elected president. So for anyone who doesn't remember, Lex Luthor was president for, I think I think it was a full four-year term he was president in the early 2000s. That could never happen in real life. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so he was he was elected in, in the early 2000s and Superman was fairly despondent afterwards. And, um, you know, he didn't know how to... Do, like, he was elected fair and square. Like, it wasn't, a, you know, a sham election or anything like that. The American public actually elected him. And that makes it worse. Yeah, exactly. And and Superman had this huge kind of cr- kind of existential crisis. He's like, I'm supposed to stand for truth, justice in the American way. And what if I don't believe in, you know, the will of the American people or something like that? And uh, this issue is basically him just visiting each member of the Justice League and getting their thoughts on, you know, Lex Luthor being elected president. And, you know, so he goes to Martian Manhunter and Plastic Man. And, uh, you know, Martian Manhunter is kind of the voice of reason. And Plastic Man, for anyone who remembers it, he's kind of just this goofy guy just, you know, making jokes the whole time. He's, you know, he makes this joke where he goes, what's worse than Lex Luthor being president of the United States? Two Lex Luthers being president of the United States. And Superman laughs and, you know, he flies away. And, and of course, what I love is he gives every member of the Justice League um, a present, right? I, I won't spend too long on this, by the way, but... He gives every member of the Justice League a present. He gives Plastic Man rubber bands. He gives he gives uh, John Jones Choco's cookies because at this point they couldn't call them Oreos anymore because of whatever. So they had to they, they called them they called them Choco's cookies. Then he goes to Aquaman and Aquaman says, you know, you're not going to like to hear this, but Lex Luthor is the only head of state who has spoken to me about publicly supporting Atlantis. <laughs> and Superman is like, those are empty political promises and all this. Um, he gives he gives Aquaman a uh, snow globe of Metropolis. Okay, um, then he visits Kyle Rayner in space, and th- I really really love this bit. Uh, Kyle Rayner is kind of like you know what, Lex Luthor is a crook, but the guy before him might have been too. And if we did something to get Lex kicked out of office, the guy who replaced him might be too. And that's something that people always say about American presidents. You know, even with the Biden and Trump stuff. You know, when Biden finally got elected, people are really like, well, do we know that you know? Um, he, uh, Kyle Rayner's, um, present, and by the way, Kyle Rayner is Green Lantern, by the way, for any of our younger listeners who might not remember that, he was like the Green Lantern of the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, Superman gives him jiffy polish to clean his ring, which, which I think is amazing. Then he goes to visit Wally West, and, uh, what really interesting scene here with Wally West, that they, they, they have a little race, they go to the Grand Canyon, they run up the side of the Golden Gate Bridge and stuff. Wally West says, you know what, I I believe in the American people, but I happen to believe in Superman too. If you want to drag him kicking and screaming out of the Oval Office, I'm right with you, but I don't think you want to do that. And it's, it, you know, again, it's just a really interesting... Uh, and, did you re- and did you read it originally when it came out, or was this something you found recently, or...? I think my mum came back from Atlanta in uh, I December... Uh, no, not Atlantis. No, my my one of my mum's best friends lives in Atlanta, and uh, she would go over there at the odd time. And whenever she'd go over, she'd always bring home some kind of superhero stuff. And this is back in the in the days when, you know, the only way of getting superhero comics for me, uh, especially DC comics, was to go into the city center yeah. to the comic shop there. So it wasn't something an eight year old was really able to do, or an eleven year old was able to do a whole lot. So she would always bring back comics from America whenever she went over. Uh, he gives he gives Wally West tube socks. Um, 
Then he goes to visit Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman kind of says, look, I don't care about Lex Luthor. I'm more worried about you. You need to spend more time with Lois, you know. Um, and he gives her this tiny little Mjolnir, uh, like Thor's hammer. Um, and they have a hug that looks like they're having a kiss. I Even as a kid, that confused me. Anyway. I um, like Steel 1997. Yeah, it's, it's like she literally just said he should spend more time with Lois. And then the final panel is him giving her a romantic hug. And you're like, what? What's that about? Anyway, my favorite part of this whole issue is he goes to visit a lesser known uh, character from the 90s whose name is Batman. And um, basically, they don't say anything for the whole thing. It's just Batman doing a couple of flips and Superman flying alongside him, looking very stern until finally Batman says, wasn't it wasn't it you who said we have to put our faith in the American people to do the right thing? And Superman just gives him this really horrible look like, fuck you, man. And then he, he gives Batman this magnif- this beautiful magnifying glass. Uh, and he says, this is from Lois. <laughs> but then Batman says one of my fa- one of my favorite Batman lines ever. He turns to Superman and he says, when the time is right, we'll take Luther down. And it's just it's always stood out to me as like one of my favorite Batman and Superman moments ever. And then the issue ends with uh, Lois and Superman on a sunny beach and Lois is like so let me get this straight I got two whole days with you no phones no faxes no two way wrist radios um, and Superman tells her the joke that Plastic Man told her and and then you find out that the camera pans back and it's the Bottle City, Bottle City of Candor, and it's just such a perfect little episode a perfect little issue um, just lovely little character moments with all the Justice League and, and it's the Justice League I grew up with it's you know Plastic Man and Kyle Rayner and all them and Wally West and yeah, every every Christmas I, I read it because it's just a quick little read and it's just entirely about characters and that Batman scene I just think is so, so good. So definitely check that out. So Rob, um, I think we'll get into a Metropolis mailbag segment next. Uh, we haven't done it in a while and we've had we've had a lot of really supportive messages and letters and emails and stuff in and uh, we've picked out two to chat about tonight, two very different uh, correspondents. So the first one I'll read out is from uh, Brian Dempsey. Uh, he says, Hi guys, I found your podcast a few months ago and marathoned through episodes on a road trip with my daughter. Your genuine love for Superman comes through in every episode. Um, I just want to highlight the fact that I love that uh, Brian was on a road trip with his daughter listening to or marathoning episodes of our podcast. That poor girl. <laughs> we're we're going to try and go easier. Brian, if you're listening, we're going to try and go easier on the cursing in, in 2023. I know we're, we're fairly guilty of that on this show. So <laughs> He doesn't say how old his daughter is, so she could be 25. I, you know, um, I'm, uh, Hi to both of you. Merry Christmas, Brian and, uh, and uh, Brian's daughter. Um, I'm sending this email because I just happened to see DC Comics January 2023 comic solicitations and I am confused and a little frustrated. There is literally only one in-continuity issue coming out this month with our hero, Action Comics. I realize Superman has only been in Action Comics for the past year, but we still had Son of Kal-El out there. I'm seeing Superman content at an all-time low, honestly. DC has Another Batman-centric crossover launching with Lazarus Planet, something that doesn't sound all that interesting to me, and a dozen or more Batman family books out there. Superman is splitting his one comic into three stories, which would be great if we had a comic devoted to the character and getting a monthly comic with smaller stories would be great. 
but this to me shows how little DC is willing to invest in the character. I'm curious about your thoughts on the matter, especially as we get word Superman will be part of the DCEU in some form in the future. Uh, I won't say more in case you're not aware. Um, now, uh, to be fair to Brian Brighton, this a couple of weeks ago, so it's before all the news in regards to James Gunn, and I, I think the news had just broke about Henry Cavill coming back. Um, what are your thoughts on that, um, Rob? Okay, so there, there's, you know, I, I, I think it's interesting what Brian says there. Um, I, d- I don't think he's wrong by any means, uh, that there is far, far too many Batman comics, and that it is a line-wide problem that DC are just putting far too much faith in Batman. I, I personally... Superman is not the greatest victim of this, to be honest, though. I, I think, you know, like DC have started and ended a load of female-led comics far too soon lately. There was a really, really well-received Mary Marvel um, comic that was running, and I think it only lasted four issues or something like that before they cancelled it. You know, like there's loads of examples of that. Um, so, uh, you know, go- going back to Brian's point, yeah, La- Lazarus Planet Alpha... Um, I'm pretty sure there's a Superman character in that. I think John is part of that. John Kent. Um, then you have. Uh, I'm just reading through the other ones here. Monkey Prince. I don't know what that is. I think I think Supergirl might be in that. Um, anyway, my, my my point is though, while there may only be one in continuity story, that there, there is plenty going on with Superman elsewhere. You have Batman Superman World's Finest by a friend of the podcast Mark Wade. You have uh, DC Power. Um, and and then and then you have a girl taking over a Lois Lane story, which is another. I I believe that's a prose novel starring Lois Lane, which I think is is really cool. Um, there's a there's a there's a book called Bruce Wayne, not Super. Uh, now it does go, it does lead with Bruce Wayne, but it looks like it's another kind of Justice League Central type story. It's them as kids. So again, you have Superman in that. You have uh, you, you know, and and then we know. Space Age is probably going to continue. We spoke about Space Age in a previous issue, in, in a previous uh, episode. And then also Superman 78. It, they've more or less announced that they're going to do another um, edition of that. So, like, I, I understand his frustration. Like, it would be great to have more Superman comics. I, I think Superman is being well served in comics, though, compared to a lot of other characters. So I'm not too concerned. And personally... I'm I'm all for more out of continuity Superman comics because I sometimes think that you can you can get very very bogged down in the kind of modern canon where there's no secret identity and you know John Kent is great but now there's all these other characters as well and they're fine too but I just I don't know if I want to read four four comics about this huge extended Superman family when I'd love to just read more like like Superman Red and Blue we haven't really spoken about that yet but that was just this lovely kind of anthology collection of Superman stories kind of just out of out of continuity just set anywhere in they were sort of like Legends of the Dark Knight but Superman and I, I really really enjoyed those and I'd love I'd love more stuff like that where just anyone who enjoys the Superman movies or TV shows or cartoons can just pick up this comic and it's just another adventure in Superman's world that doesn't require you to have read you know Tom Taylor's entire run or Philip Kennedy Johnson's entire run not that I haven't loved those runs you know um so yeah, I I understand your frustration, Brian, but I I I'd be more frustrated with other aspects of DC's solicitations. I think. So Brian, thank you so much for sending in that lovely letter. I hope you and your daughter enjoyed your trip, and um, in future, when you're taking cross country trips like that or overstate trips like that, you're going to have to find a better podcast uh, to subject your daughter to. <laughs> 
Now, Rob, our next letter tonight is a little bit more uh, intense. It's for a man from a man by the name of R.P. Glover, uh, and it is written in a way. It, he's basically posing questions directly to DC about their inability or unwillingness to engage with fans. Um, I'm just going to read it out as follows, and um, I'll ask you then what you have to say about it. To All Star Superfan Podcast. Thanks for the opportunity to voice some questions that are vital to fans of the Superman books at DC Comics. My first question is, why does DC Publishing continue to pursue a policy of keeping fans' customers at a distance? Examples of this are, the DC division of Warner Brothers Discovery has in recent years dismantled their customer service channels such as previously existing email, phone number and and web pages. DC social media does not respond to fan questions, only provides jokes, throwaway responses to fans. DC editors do not act as representatives of the company that employs them. Utilising the, air quote, all options are personal denial on their social media channels and blocking many good faith inquiries about the health and and strategies of DC. When DC Publishing holds a web event, they do not allow fan questions or comments. DC does not allow questions or commentary at in-person conventions, nor do DC editors and leadership practice fan interaction at these conventions. As a division of a publicly traded company with investor dollars driving their product, there is an obligation to deal with customers and fans in a business-positive manner. DC Publishing does not do that with rank-file fans, uh, diminishing their profile, market share and alienating long-time fans with emotional equity in their products. Why would DC Publishing reinforce this type of negative economic practice? Signed, R.P. Glover. Now, to be fair to Mr. Glover, I think that the intention of this email was that we asked these questions of a guest that we hinted uh, would be coming on in the podcast in the new year. We have recorded that interview already. Uh, he's a DC Comics artist. Um, but before we get into that, Rob, and why we, we don't feel comfortable asking questions like this to people who come on the podcast, um, what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Glover's letter? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's a strongly worded letter. I, you know, I, but I, I think there are some legitimate criticisms he has there that I would share in that, you know, when I was growing up, comics had a letter page. They they haven't had those for a long time now. Um, I think part of that is just because the internet and forums and then eventually social media kind of took the role that those once had. Um. I think the larger question he's asking there is why do DC not engage with fans more? I think there's a very, very simple and very obvious reason for that. Like there there was a point in time where literally every single tweet that Warner Brothers or DC, that like the official accounts that they would they had on Twitter, literally every single tweet they would post would be just bombarded with release the Snyder Cut tweets, you know? Um and I, I think, you know, we don't like to paint those guys as being entirely toxic. There's definitely a sizable proportion of them that did wonderful, wonderful things for suicide prevention. And yes, it was horrible what Warner Brothers did to Zack Snyder in the first place. They should have just released the movie or at least a version of the movie that was closer to what he had originally envisioned and not just dumped it all completely. Um, But I think... I, I, I think that's why. I honestly think that's why. I think they just got so sick of being just bombarded and literally assaulted with, you know, uh, stuff about the Snyder Cut that they just said, right, that this isn't working anymore. I also think in in in, in the writer's defense here, 
Discovery absolutely gutted DC a couple of years ago. They, they let go a huge number of staff and uh, that could be a big reason why, you know, a lot of customer service roles and people like that, editors and, you, you know, the, the people that would have been dealing with fans directly, they're probably just not there anymore, you know? And that, it's just a sad part of the, you know, the, the kind of corporate consolidation we keep seeing with all these things we love. So um, I think there's a litany of reasons, really, and it's not really our duty to talk about that. But um, I, I, I do think it's an interesting question and it does warrant some discussion. But I think when it comes to these big corporations and intellectual property and, you know, at the end of the day, their job is not to please us. Their job is to make money, whereas our this isn't a job but our, 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 what we're trying to do here is to pay homage to something we love not to make money so I, I think that's where the difference is you know but that's just my uh, my two cents you know when, when we reach out to people and we say look send us in emails and send us in letters and stuff um, if you have any questions or you know there's anything you'd like us to address or anything like that, that that's great um, obviously I think it comes across why we wouldn't feel comfortable putting questions like that to someone who gives their time voluntarily who's an employee or a contractor uh, you know uh, of a company like DC who gives their time to come on to the show you know to kind of put them in a corner and 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 hammer them with questions about you know DC's lack of interactivity with with fans and communication with fans and stuff isn't really fair I don't think um but again uh, you know, like you said, there were some very valid points. I'm a there. I'm a freelance TV producer. If someone pulled me aside and started asking me a million questions about RTE, <laughs> our national state broadcaster, who a lot of people have a lot of problems with, I I certainly wouldn't be in a position to answer them either. So it's a similar thing. You know, these these guys are freelancers a lot of the time, and you know we're we're not going to put them in that position. But but I absolutely appreciate the question, and it does warrant discussion all the same. And as we previously said, guys, if you want to send in an email or a voice note to us, it's allstarsuperpod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll endeavor to read those uh, emails out in the next Metropolis mailbag. Rob, 2022 for All Star Super, uh, for All Star Super Fan. How's it been for you? Oh, it's just been fantastic. I mean, I, we've done some episodes that I'm really, really proud of, um, discussed some great topics. Uh, with great fans, great guests, um, great fans, <laughs> great guests, great fans. Like it, for me, I have to say, you know, finally being able to sit down with the likes of Michael Bailey and Sam Rizzo, people who I've kind of followed from afar on online for so long now. And being able to talk to them was, you know, equally as kind of surreal to me as it was talking to these big, you know, comic creators that we've also spoken to. Um, I, I just I just really, really enjoyed it. And I, I think we've had some great insights from them, obviously from Matt and from Zach as well. Um, you know, it was great talking to um, to Neil that time about Batman. Uh, Stuart, finally having Stuart on talking about Steel. Um, and yeah, just I, I, I think we've 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 just we've touched on some great topics. Um, a lot of really weird, a lot of random stuff, but then a lot of stuff that was kind of in the mainstream as well and and it, it was great talking to all those great creators shout out to you alan again you know you, you put the you put the call out to each and every one of them and it was it was great to have each of them on um and yeah just i, I think it's been another really really strong year and there, there's lots of stuff i'm really excited to get back into next year really keen to do some more bibbo's b movies um you know we, we mentioned the justice league 19 justice league of america 1997 pilot i really want to talk about that uh, there, there, there's a little show about a saxophone playing superhero 
that we might hear a little bit more about in the new year. Uh, you, you'll find out more about that very soon. And uh, yeah, just lots more Superman stuff to talk about. More comics, more cartoons, hopefully more movies. Yeah. And yeah, long may it last. Yeah, I, I'm again, I just want to thank you, Rob. Um, again, all the effort and all the work you've done, you know, all the art that you do for the socials, that's all you. Um, all the editing you've done, the, the vast majority of all the editing for the for the entire year, which takes a lot of time. I don't think people realize, you know, how much time that takes and how much effort it takes to do that. It's not just a case of recording it and, and, and dropping it. Um, and it's been it has it really has been a great year. And I know I said this in our Christmas episode last year um, that it was it was really surreal how how. Um, you know, having these big name guests on, and it is, it is great. You know, it is great from a selfish point of view to sit down and get to speak to Dan Jurgens for an hour and not for 30 seconds at a Comic-Con. Or, you know, to, to, to talk about something as niche as the Ruby Spears Superman series with Marv Wolfman, you know, the story editor of, of, of that. Um, but the highlight again to me has been, as it was last year, the solo episodes that I do with you, and like you said there, the episodes of speaking, uh, the episodes where we speak to people have, who have become very supportive of the podcast over the last year, you know, friends of ours, um, people like Matt, Zach, Neil, Stuart, um, Jim Bowers came on during the year. He did a great episode. Um, we'll have to get him back again. And- oh, was that was that this year? That That was a fantastic time talking to Jim as well. Yeah, really good. Having Jim on was, you know, I've been listening to the Cape Wonder Superman podcast since that started and following Cape Wonder for, for decades and all these people who have been just so, so supportive um, of the podcast and people reaching out, you know, um, people like Paul Rogers and that from... Um, Paul is from Batman Movie Online and he also has an amazing, uh, literally an amazing Spider-Man site. Now, not the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, the 1977 Spider-Man TV show with Nicholas Hammond Paul Rogers is the guy you want to talk to about that show. He knows everything about it and he's done an amazing new website that you can check out. Uh, And he has a great Facebook page as well where he posts remastered clips of the TV show that has yet to get an official release. Uh, So definitely check that out. Really, really keen to talk to him about that at some stage. And he's so he he's so supportive, you know, sending us messages, sharing everything. You know, people like Jeff Meisner, a friend of mine uh, from years ago, who I, I spoke about, who, who's who's battling cancer at the moment. Neil Jackson, who hates Superman, does not like Superman at all. <laughs> thoroughly enjoys the podcast. Um, so you know, like that's the stuff. And I, I've said it countless times that you know, it's when people reach out and say, like like Brian did in his email. He's driving across the country. He's driving across, you know, a state. He's listening to the the podcast with his daughter. And the feedback that we're getting is saying, you know, that and it's exactly what we set out to do is that it feels like you're just sitting down in a coffee shop or sitting down on a couch with a couple of friends and we're just shooting the shit about Superman. And I really hope that that comes across and um, that more people get in contact with us as, as, as the third season or the third year, you know, goes on and we have some great ideas we were talking like you said there rob superman the musical maybe we might chat about superman the musical oh, at some point i'm really keen to talk about that the, the only reason we've left that off for so long is that the, the only the only real way to watch it is that really awful looking uh vhs rip of the uh 1976 tv version of the superman musical that's how random the podcast is going to get in in 2023 ladies and gentlemen (laughs) i'm really excited to talk about that one 
Um, I want to talk about the Fleischer cartoons as well from oh, back yeah. in the 40s. Yeah. And we might have Michael Bailey back on for that. Um, we have the intention of maybe doing a, an episode uh, centered around the Black Mercy um, story. Yes. Arc, the, the Alan Moore story and the live action and the comic books. Um, I would like to go back and maybe talk about Ruby Spears a little bit more and get into the meat and the bones of it. We might have someone like Nathan McKenzie from the Superman Anime Podcast or something on for that one. Uh, two words, Alan. Looking forward. Two words. Superman lives. Superman lives. We have to. I want to do. I want to do a whole episode about Superman lives. Nick Cage, baby, the best Superman who never was. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> if we don't do a Superman Lives episode in 2023, I quit the podcast. <laughs> I, I promise you we'll do a Superman Lives episode. And uh, obviously, looking forward to having friends back, you know, Matt, Stuart, Zach, all these guys. And, uh, you know, and hopefully, you know, you'll stick with us for 2023 because it's 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 been an absolute blast so far. 100%. Uh, yeah. And, and, and thank you, Alan, for all you do. And thanks to everyone listening. Uh, we, we really do appreciate it. We love doing this show. Um, so, um, and we, I, I do hope that we'll be able to get these out a little bit, a little bit faster in the new year. It's all, as Alan says, it's all about scheduling and it's all about finding the time to edit them and get the socials right and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the, the response we've been getting, it's slowly been growing and we, we yeah. do get people asking us about episodes and stuff a bit more. And we, we really, really love that. So please keep those kind of messages of support coming because it does help a lot and, and rate and review the podcast. We're getting more and more reviews and that helps too. And I think it's helping people find us. Yeah. People are going back and listening to our older episodes. Please listen to our Panic in the Sky episode. It's the lowest episode of the sh- lowest rated episode of the show. But it has, in my view, the funniest moment of the entire podcast where Alan goes on a three minute rant about uh, the, the, the Daily Planet staff not recognizing that Clark is clearly Superman because he's not even wearing his glasses in that scene. So definitely go back and check that out. And... And and we still have an episode that we recorded, one of our earliest episodes oh God. in 2021 God, that about we that have not yet released. And we have to get that out where we talk about kind of cheap, nostalgic collectibles, you know, Superman related things that are, are, are close to our heart. Um, as I always, swear to God, uh, I swear on my life, I will get that one done and we'll get that out in early 2023. <laughs> And I, I just like to, before we sign off, I would just like to uh, wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Again, it's been a hard year for a lot of people. You know, we're going through this cost of living crisis. We're coming out of the pandemic. And I really hope that in some little way, um, this podcast has, you know, given you some comfort or some distraction for an hour on your commute, to wherever you're going to make a living, to support your families or, you know, to put yourself through college or whatever you're doing. And, you know, that it brings a smile to your face and that you just enjoy it and whatever worries and problems that you have, that you forget about them, that we help you forget about them for 20 minutes or an hour or four hours, <laughs> like like one of our recent records. Some, sometimes three and a half, four Sometimes hour, yeah. three and a half hours. And, and yeah, and if if you don't celebrate Christmas, we're, we're, we're there for you too. Um, whatever you're celebrating, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling right now. Uh, as Alan said, I hope we've offered you some solace in these dark times. Absolutely. And please stay tuned to the end of the episode where, again, for the second year in a row, we will play a reel of messages from friends of the podcast who have gotten in contact um, to wish you a very Merry Christmas as well. Rob, um, i just like to say Merry Christmas, my friend. Merry Christmas and a happy holidays to you. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay super. See you next year. Bye bye.
Merry Christmas to everyone listening to the All-Star Superfan Podcast. It's Jay Towers from Fox 2 and iHeartRadio in Detroit. And, of course, the Caped Wonder Superman Podcast with Jim Bowers and myself. We love you guys. Rob and Alan, I hope you guys have a great holiday season to all of your listeners. Hey, listen, I said it before. Uh, we've got to keep the Superman legacy alive, and it sounds like 2023 is going to be very interesting for Superman fans. We'll see what happens. Where do things go from here? We know we have the classics to keep us going. We know we have the Superman films from the Reeve legacy coming to 4K, which we can't wait for. So lots to celebrate and lots to wonder about. But Merry Christmas to you all from Detroit, Michigan. This is Neil Rickson at 1995 Batman.com wishing everyone at and listening to the All-Star Superfan Podcast a super Christmas. Hey, hey, this is a message for Alan and Rob all your guests and everyone involved in making this great podcast. I wish you a very, very happy Christmas, a great new year and all the best for 2003. Carry on staying super. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, this is Zach Benz from The Daily Planet. I'd like to wish all you super fans a happy holiday season and a super new year. Hey guys, Matt Trurex here from Lois and Clark, uh, wishing you one last happy holiday from 1990s Metropolis. Um, though Lois and Clark, the new podcast Superman, is coming to a close, uh, I can't imagine what the show would have been like uh, without you guys first as, um, as fans uh, supporting the show and, and reaching out with comments, and then eventually contributors and now friends who will hopefully be keeping me talking about Superman for many more years to come. Um, and hopefully we'll see you on the new show, too, when um, Always Hold On to DC's Legends of Tomorrow starts up next year. Uh, but till then, have a happy holiday, have a happy new year, and folk off. Hi, everyone. This is Jeff Meisner, friend of All-Star Superfan Podcast, wishing you Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. This season, in the spirit of Superman, try to take an opportunity to show someone who might need it a little bit of kindness. Maybe even donate a Superman action figure to a local toy drive. Thank you. Have a safe and happy holidays. Hey there, Alan and Rob and all of the listeners to the All-Star Superfan Podcast. Uh, Michael Bailey here from the Fortress of Bailey 2 Podcasting Network, hoping that everybody listening has a very Merry Christmas, or Happy Christmas, uh, depending on where you are in the world. Uh, Merry Yule, uh, Hanukkah has already passed, you, you know, just whatever you celebrate at this time of year. I hope that you have a season that is filled with joy and love and all that other kind of stuff. I uh, had a fantastic time appearing on the show this year, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, nothing deep right here at the end. Just uh, happy holidays. Bye. Hey, All-Star Superfans. Zach Moore here from Always Hold On to Smallville. Just wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Also wanted to thank Alan and Rob for another great year of podcasts. Uh, you guys are always getting some great interviews. Uh, Jack O'Halloran, Marv Wolfman, uh, Dan Jurgens, especially. I think he was probably my favorite guest you guys have had just for his insight and passion about everything and really enjoyed his perspective on the on the death of Superman for, for the 30th anniversary, which, which we went through this year, believe it or not. Uh, also really enjoy your, uh, your little update episodes, a little shorter current event commentary. And, uh, and, and, you know, we cover other stuff like, uh, the Batman, you know, it's always fun to, to hear, uh, you guys perspectives on all these things that just beyond Superman. 
And yeah, the uh, the Bibbo's B movies is a pretty cool thing too. So look, looking forward to more of those coming up. But yeah, uh, you guys are uh, very knowledgeable and very well spoken, and I and I always enjoy listening to the All Star Superfan podcast. So here's to uh, another great year in 2023, and uh, I'll see you guys soon on the airwaves. Seasons greetings, All Star Superfans from the And Why Not podcast. Hope you have an amazing festive season, however you choose to spend it. And who knows, maybe this year we'll finally get an atomic space right under the tree. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and as always, here's to a better tomorrow. Hi, this is Alexei Lamley-Steele from ChristopherReeve.co.uk, wishing All-Star Superman podcast and their listeners a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's look forward to super things in 2023. Stay super. This is Nathan McKenzie from Superman, the Animated Podcast. I just wanted to take this time to thank Alan and Rob for a fantastic 2022 with the All-Star Superfan Podcast. 2021 was a great start to the podcast, and this year has gotten better and better. And there hasn't been a time go by that I can't wait to listen to each and every episode. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I wish you both all the best and bring on 2023. Hi there, this is Martin from KateWonderEurope.com. Just wishing uh, Alan and Rob uh, from the All-Star Superfan Podcast every success uh, for this year coming. And uh, congratulations on the year just gone. Um, always an entertaining podcast. Um, always interesting listening to you too. And uh, always a pleasure to contribute. So looking forward to doing that again next year. So um, Merry Christmas, boys. Um, and it's uh, it's a superb time to be a fan, uh, and it just gets what crazier every day, uh, every week. So uh, we'll never be short of something to talk about. Um, we'll never be short of uh, stuff to uh, discuss when it comes to uh, the Superman movies and science fiction and beyond. And it's just so wonderful that you guys are out there doing your thing. Um, and it's always a pleasure. So all the best. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hey, this is Ed Gross, host of the Voices from Krypton podcast and author of the conveniently titled Voices from Krypton, Unofficial Oral History of Superman, coming from Nacelle Books in 2023. I just wanted to wish Alan, Rob, and all the listeners a happy holiday season and positive thoughts for the new year. And guys, keep up the great work with All-Star Superfan Podcast. Can't wait for the next episode. Hey, Rob and Alan and all of the fans of your fantastic podcast, happy holidays to you. This is Jim Bowers from CapedWonder.com, and December 15th is always a very exciting day around this household because we watch Superman the movie. 2023, spring, all of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies are coming out on 4K, and Warner Brothers is working on that right now, so we've got that to look forward to and many other great things in the Caped Wonder Network. I hope all of you have a wonderful time with your family this holiday season. Give each other lots of hugs. Stay well, stay happy, and of course, stay super. Yeah.